Well, good morning once again. How are we all? Good. Me too. Thanks for asking. Hey, uh, those of you that are here uh, for, for the first time, welcome. Uh, we actually, two weeks ago, we actually kicked off a new conversation around a book that's in the old part of the Bible. Uh, it's called Jonah, and uh, the star of the show is a guy named Jonah. Um, so if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, let me catch you up. Uh, you can also jump onto our website and look at our, uh, click on our podcast, listen to that. And I, I strongly recommend that. It was just a great uh, launch message. And I've had a lot of feedback from people just with the, the, the um, applications that it's uh, allowed them to go away with. And also, given that it's two weeks ago, even those of you that were here, let me just give you a, a quick refresher. So there's this guy named Jonah. And uh, he's living. Uh, he's an Israelite. Now, the Israelites at that time were God's chosen people. And, uh, and God... Shoulder tapped Jonah and, uh, and gave him a job to do, asked him to do something. And in this case, God tapped him on the shoulder and said, I want you to go to a place called Nineveh, and I want you to preach to a group of people uh, from, from, the, from a place called Assyria. Now, um, God said go, and just to sum it all up, Jonah said no. All right. So here's a little Google map of uh, what was going on back there. And... Uh, Jonah was here in this uh, area near Jerusalem. God had called him to this place, the capital of Assyria, a place called Nineveh. But instead of going there, Jonah flipped God the bird. And instead, at a place called Joppa, got on a boat and said, I'm going to go to Tarshish, which was as far, which, which was the end of the known world back then. Okay, And the, and the records say that Jonah ran as far away from God as he could get, all right? This journey from Joppa to Tarshish was 2,500 miles, which in the sailing technology of that day would have taken them about a year. So you can actually see that Jonah didn't go on a, a small diversion away from obeying God. He went, first of all, in the exact opposite direction. And secondly, he went as far in the opposite direction as he could go. Being someone who has an extremist personality. I get that. Okay. If you're going to run from God, do a good job of it. Run a long way. Run in the opposite direction. Not one degree, of course, 180 degrees. I get that. Now, there's some reasons why Jonah uh, didn't want to go to Nineveh. You can listen to the podcast and, and catch you up. But the moral of the story is God said go and Jonah said no. And if you're honest with yourself, you know there's a bit of Jonah in you and there's a bit of Jonah in me. Because there's been times in my life where God has said go, and I've said no. And so this uh, idea, uh, we conceptualized it into, into actually how we make some of our decisions with obeying God or disobeying God. And just this idea that we stand at the point of decision when God asks us to do something, and we've actually got two choices, obey or disobey. And obey or disobey at the point of decision are very, very close to one another. However, over the passage of time, the direction we take by disobeying takes us further and further and further away from where God had asked us to go in the first place, further away from what God had asked us to do in the first place. And we're going to look at some of that today. So Jonah gets on this boat to Tarshish. God sent a big storm, big intervention. The uh, crew members there started freaking out. 
Jonah admitted that uh, he recognized it was God that was sending the storm. God was sending the storm because Jonah was running away from him and God wanted to get his attention in the hope that he'll change his direction. And uh, Jonah said, look, if you push me overboard, the storm will stop. So the guys thought that was a great idea. So they pushed him overboard and hey, presto, the storm stopped. Okay. Then Jonah's overboard. God sent along a big fish. Didn't say what type of fish, just one big enough to swallow a human. And uh, Jonah found himself uh, in a fish. We've actually got a selfie, I think, of that uh, particular thing. So here we are, Jonah, inside the fish. And this is where we pick up the story. You'll read this for yourself in Jonah chapter 2. And actually, this whole chapter is a prayer. It, it's, it's, it's not like someone was taking notes and dictation. There was no, no one else in the fish with Jonah. But basically, the, the, the Jonah's prayer has been recorded and it's incredibly instructive. This isn't just some ancient prayer that, that when you're reading your Bible, you just gloss over. This is incredibly instructive. And I want to unpack this prayer this morning. So let's pick up the story. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. Right there. Make a note of that. This is a good habit. And he answered me from the depths of the grave. I called for help and you listened to my cry. Now, guys, understand the extent of the distress. We have we have to to to, to get a handle on exactly where Jonah felt his life was at. There's a couple of key words in that prayer. One key word is the word distress. The word distress that Jonah used is actually the same word that talks about the pain a woman goes through during childbirth. Okay, I've heard that that can be relatively painful. All right, I'm not a, you know, I'm pretty bad when I've got the man flu, but I believe... And unless the technology advances very quickly in a very short space of time, I'll never personally experience this. But this word distress, Jonah was using the same word. This is just how painful he felt his life was at. And then he used the word grave. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. The same word there can be translated hell. He basically was at a point in his life, his circumstances were such that he thought he literally might as well have died and gone to hell. And it was from that place that he prayed a prayer. Jonah had been running from God, turned his back on God, flipped God the bird, and yet God, there's something revealing about the nature and the character of God. God, in his mercy, actually listened to Jonah. Jonah had been in blatant disobedience, and yet when he turned around and cried out to God, God in his mercy listened. Even when Jonah was as good as dead, God listened. Some of you, you may have experienced this in the past where you've disobeyed God. God's asked you to do something, and you've said no. And you've, and you've experienced the consequences of that. You've experienced the separation of that. You've experienced some circumstances that have actually worked against you. Maybe right now that's your story. Maybe there's something, some aspect of your life right now where you know, yeah, I, I can actually, I know that I've said no to God on something. This is good news for you. This, this 
us teaching on this, us actually talking about what, how God responded to Jonah, let that be an encouragement. God actually wants you to turn around. He wants you to stop running. He wants you to start obeying. And when you do, and when you cry out to him, he will listen. I've taught this before on many occasions. There is a difference between the facts and the truth. See, the facts to Jonah right there, the fact was that he was as good as dead. The truth, however, which is always filtered from God's vantage point, was that Jonah was helpless, but not hopeless. And that's one of the things you need to remember. We need to remember that we may be helpless, but so long as we're ready to turn back and run towards God, we're never hopeless. Helpless, but not hopeless. Jonah continued to pray. So you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look toward your holy temple. This is a pattern that I call yo-yo Christianity. You heard of the expression yo-yo dieting? You know, on the diet, off the diet, on the diet, off the diet. And uh, what happens actually, oftentimes this pattern of yo-yo dieting is when a person starts to achieve their goals, starts to, to, to achieve a relative level of success, they actually throw off all the restraints and go back to the regime that got them into the bad health position in the first place. And then guess what? They go back into that same poor health situation that they experienced before. Just this pattern continues. I call this yo-yo Christianity. This idea, and I've seen it happen time and time and time and time and time again. If I just rattled off names to you for the next 20 minutes, we wouldn't have enough time for me to go through the list of names of people that I have observed, that when they're on the mountaintop, God's with them, fantastic. They then, they then just start to think anything goes. I'm invincible. I'm like the New York Yankees. And, uh, and then actually circumstances start to work against them. They actually start to separate themselves from God, separate themselves from the church, separate themselves from what God's called them to do, disappear off the landscape, find themselves in the grave, and then turn back to God. And then God starts to restore them. I've seen it happen time and time again. I remember in a church we were involved in, there was a guy, business guy, incredible business guy, incredible entrepreneur, in, in, incredibly visionary. Um, the sort of guy that could just kind of like create money from nothing. And uh, oftentimes those same people, God's actually hardwired them with the gift of giving. There's actually a reason why they can make significant amounts of money because God actually has placed them on this planet to give significant amounts of money. And this particular guy, I remember, he would commit, he would commit phenomenal amounts of money. He would, he would give his first 10%, then he would commit $50,000 to what we would, you know, for our Elevate Global equivalent. He would commit $100,000 for our Building the Future equivalent. And, uh, and he could make that sort of money. You know, 50 grand, psh, yeah, no worries. I'll have it to you next month. 100 grand, give me three months, but I'll have it to you. And, and just this incredible gift of giving. Um, but he would, he would start on this journey of, of making this money, of getting this next 100 grand, this next 50 grand, and, and, and he'd disappear. 
And we wouldn't see him. And, 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 and consequently, by the way, he wouldn't end up giving the money. He'd, he'd go and make the money, but he would run from God in the process. Move off the radar, heading towards Tarshish. And then he'd come back and, oh, actually, you know what? I made this million dollars and I had this. And in two years later, and he comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, actually, well, I had all that. And, but my business has now failed. And, 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 and actually, I don't have any income. So I, you know, I figured maybe it's time to get right with God again. And we're like, it, as a leader, that sort of thing breaks your heart. Breaks my heart because I just see the, the missed windows of opportunity that that individual misses. But also what God has actually called them to do is, has intend, been intended to impact other people. And they miss out on that impact as well because of this yo-yo Christianity. When things are good, I'm running to God. Things get even better. I don't need him anymore. Then things go to hell. Oh, Better get back with God. Things get right again. Yay, thanks for putting me back on the mountaintop, God. By the way, don't need you anymore. I'll check you later. And it just this cycle continues. I'm saying that and I'm underlining that from Jonah's story. Don't be that person. Consistency, dedication, consecration is a big churchy word that we're meant to be towards God and, and stay on that path. Jonah continued to pray. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. This is a desperate human being. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. Just over seven months ago, we relaunched as Elevate Church. Our name was a name that God gave me many, many years ago, long before I took over leading here. And it was a name that God gave to me for a church that I would lead one day, birthed out of an image of the character of who God is. And this is just another example of God being in the elevating business. Jonah was at the depths of his despair. He was pulling out metaphor after metaphor after metaphor to remind himself, to remind God just how bad things, just how far down. This is a guy who God had actually personally given a powerful mission to. And from going from that intimacy with God, where God, you know, tapped him for a special mission. To now he's talking about, I'm in the depths, I'm in the pit, I'm on the seafloor, I'm in the roots of the mountains. And yet God reaches down and lifts him up. God elevates Jonah in this. And God did it by staging an intervention. While Jonah was on this boat on the way to Tarshish, God stirred up a storm and staged an intervention. And I said... When we launched this conversation a couple of weeks ago, sometimes God stages an intervention to get our attention so we'll change our direction. And this pyramid of choice is exactly this playing out, that at some point on our pathway, having disobeyed God, as we get further and further and further and further and further away over a period of time from what God called us to do, God doesn't just leave it at that. God in his mercy continues to pursue us. God in his mercy wants to get us back. Wants to get us back, first of all, in relationship. And then he wants to get us back on mission. 
And so he'll stage an intervention, which is brilliant. Jonah referred to it as a but God moment. I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever, but God, you brought my life up out of the pit. If you want to do a quick Google search in the Bible, how many times those two words come up side by side, you'll be astonished. But God, God is always, despite us even running from him, running from doing his will, God is always wanting to craft a but God moment in our lives. That's because he loves us. That's how much he loves us. He doesn't want us to be separated from him and he doesn't want us to be going off mission. He wants to stage an intervention. That intervention is a but God moment. And it may be right now you, the best thing that could happen for you right now is to have a but God moment. And open yourself up to that if that's you. If you know you've been disobeying him, if you know you're not on mission, open yourself up to a but God moment. Open yourself up to God intervening and course correcting. See, you can run, but you can't hide. I said that two weeks ago. It's, a, it's, an old, it's an old saying. It applies here. You can run, but you can't hide. But the, the, the lesson goes one step further, and it's come, we, brought, we draw this out of Jonah's story. You can run, but you don't need to hide. Running from God's love is both futile, but it's actually unnecessary. Why would any of us want to run from God's love? I mean, we can't because he pursues us. That's how much he loves us, but actually, we don't need to. Because when we turn our back, back towards, when we turn back towards God, God's ready to forgive, and God's ready to restore that relationship, and God's ready to get us back on mission. So we can run, but we can't hide, but we don't need to hide. I will say this, though. <clears throat> At that point of turning back to God, we need to understand that there are consequences. You won't find this in the Follow Jesus brochure that someone gave you, I bet. The truth of the matter is when we've spent time in disobedience and we've moved away from God and we've moved away from mission, there are actually consequences even when we turn back to God. Remember a couple of years ago, um, I was doing a triathlon down in Cary Valley, and, uh, and it was on a Saturday afternoon, this particular race. Um, and in the bike portion of the race, early in the bike portion of the race, there was a pretty significant descent, um, and I'm heading down the hill. And, uh, and uh, I got flipped off my bike, and I, I was probably doing about 70, 80 kilometers an hour at the time, flipped off my push bike, on the uh, not exactly the smoothest road surface in Western Australia, outside of Cary Valley Resort. And it just shaved a significant portion of my surface area of my body off. And uh, I was taken, I was scooped up by the ambulance and taken to the hospital, uh, Pemberton Hospital. And uh, many hours later, they'd, they'd put the various, they'd clean things and, and so on and so forth without getting too graphic. Um, turns out my bike frame had a crack in it. It wasn't a user issue, but I didn't know that till later on. 
So I went to the, I went to the, um, I was in the emergency uh, section of the Pemberton Hospital, and and the nurse came in, and she said, "Oh dear," it was, it was all down my back, so I couldn't see it. And she said, "Oh dear," and I thought to myself, "Oh dear." <laughs> so when a medical person says, "Oh dear," I knew this is not pretty. But that 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 nurse. Uh, in fact, they double teamed me because it was a pretty big job. The, they didn't judge me. They, they didn't judge what I'd done. They didn't say, titch, 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 silly you, you know, silly triathletes, you know, put on some baggy shorts and, you know, just catch a bus sometime. Um, she didn't judge me, but, but, but she made it clear to me that there'd be consequences for that particular action. There'd be some scars. There still are. Uh, two years later. With God, one of the most important things, lessons that we need to, 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 to learn and to understand that, that is that restoration of our relationship. When we, having run from him, having disobeyed him, when we turn back to him, restoration, and, and when we've asked for his forgiveness, God, forgive me, I've been a knucklehead. I was trying to be God instead of trust God. When we turn back to him, restoration of our relationship is immediate. And restoration of our circumstances happens over time. Because our choices, don't blame God for our circumstances being misaligned with his will. If we're the ones that are run from his will, if we're the ones that are disobeyed. We've disobeyed. We've put distance. That's why those lines in the pyramid of choice are not parallel lines. Over the period of time, we've gotten away from him. Our circumstances are now way, way off where he wanted them to be. He will restore our relationship instantly. His grace, his mercy, his forgiveness is instant. When we come to him with a true, authentic, heartfelt repentance. Repentance is a churchy word. It simply means to turn around. When we know we've been running away from God and disobeying him, when we make the decision to turn back to him, to turn around. The restoration of our relationship is immediate. However, the restoration of our circumstances will take some time. There will be some scars. There'll be some things that are less than ideal and some of them may linger for a long time. If you've been in a situation where you knew that your marriage wasn't where it was meant to be and God insisted that you start investing more into that and he actually gave you some specific instructions and you decided that you knew better than him and two years later, your marriage is now worse than it ever was. You can turn back to him. He'll restore his relationship with you, but it will take time to even get back to where you were in your marriage. Those circumstances won't be restored instantly. Maybe it's a financial thing. God said, spend less than you earn. Honor him by giving. Look out for other opportunities to be generous. And instead of that, you spent 110% of what you earned. You did that over a period of time. And all you've got to show for that is some, is some material possessions, which you can't take them with you when you die, and a lot of credit card debt, which you're struggling to maintain. And you turn back and you realize, idiot. You turn back, God, I'm going to start doing financial stewardship, financial management your way. I'm going to start spending less than I earn. I'm going to start honoring you with my, with my giving. Great. 
But it's still going to take time to pay down those credit card bills. Oh, occasionally I hear of someone, you know, where the $50,000 check appeared mysteriously in the mail. Some of you have heard those sorts of stories. Has anyone had them happen to you? Anyone like to? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm, okay, you know I love you guys, but I'm not actually going to pray that for you. If, if you've been dishonoring God in your finances, I'm not going to pray that the $50,000 check arrives in the mail for you. I know. Doesn't sound right. But something that Sam Chan, Sam Chan's a leadership expert, something that he tweeted just this week. This is why I'm not going to pray for you because easy lessons are forgotten quickly. Lessons learned the hard way are never forgotten. God could actually make you a better husband by allowing you to have to work through some painful issues to get back on mission. He could make you a better husband and cause you to learn lessons in that restoration journey that will take you beyond where you ever were before. He could make you a better financial manager because you've gotten so far away, you are so far in the, the, the financially at, at the bottom that, that you, you, you never want to get back to that place. And you're honest about that, which is fantastic. And so you're now doing everything you can to get out of that. And in the constant grind with God, but not with God and his magic wand, with God and his peace that passes all understanding, with God that will never leave us or forsake us, but going through the process of learning the skills, learning the disciplines. You'll become a better financial manager than you ever were. Easy lessons are forgotten quickly. Lessons learned the hard way are never forgotten. Now, I'll just finish with, with this thought. <clears throat> uh you know, I've been a professional Christian for nearly 20 years and, you know, I've heard a lot of stuff. I've heard a lot of people make a lot of silly statements and a lot of pathetic excuses and my BS detector is pretty finely tuned. Um, and uh, uh, I've heard people listen to a message like this where, where somebody has taught from God's word and says that if you've been disobeying him, and you repent, you turn around, and you ask his forgiveness, that that restoration with God is immediate. I've heard some people, because often we hear what we want to hear. Often we only, we only listen to the things that validate our position already. And it's, it's a stupid way to live. We need to shift our mindset over to God's mindset whenever it's misaligned. But, you know, people do it sometimes. And I've heard people listen to a message like this. Oh, if you've disobeyed God, if you've run from him, all you need to do is turn around and, and ask his forgiveness and he'll forgive you and the restoration of the relationship's immediate. And what they actually conclude, oh, that was great, that was great. You know what? Oh, it's fantastic, it's fantastic to know that I can just do anything I want to do. I can flip the bird at God anytime, anywhere, anyhow. And whenever I'm ready, I just turn around and, hey, presto, I'm back. I, I, I've heard people 
I've heard people draw that conclusion from this type of message. And that's the only conclusion. It's pretty, pretty, pretty kind of puzzling, right? That, that people would make that the takeaway. But it happens. And they, they call it living under grace. Yeah, sure. That, that is true. We do live under grace. We also live under truth. And uh, two things that are wrong with that particular takeaway. First of all, it is an incredibly contemptuous position to take with God. God, I will do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it. And buddy, when I'm finished doing my own thing, I'm going to turn around and, and, and then you're worth it. Then, then, then we can kind of get jiggy. It's like, this is God you're talking about. You know. This is God, not, not, not your neighbor whose dog barks all night. This is, this, this is God. You, you want to just treat him like a, like a light switch that you just turn on and off? When, well, you know, let me know how that works for you. But, but then there's this second aspect. and This is the one as a leader that just breaks my heart with yo-yo Christianity. Is, guys, understand that there's consequences to disobeying God. There's residue that builds up. There's distance that accumulates. There are scars. There are wounds. There are painful memories. There are strained relationships. There are, there are, there are severed relationships. There are missed opportunities. There are underperforming there's god's will and we're way 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 every time we disobey him we are we are moving away from god's best for our lives god's potential for our lives and it's not just about us picking up on what louis we are missing out on being used by god which is an enormous privilege to affect the things that he wanted us to do in the first place, to, to, to help influence the lives of the people that he wanted us to influence in the first place. Right now, we push pause on this Jonah story. Right now, there is still a nation of people, the Assyrians, that, 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 are, that are the worst on the planet at the time. God wants to actually stage an intervention in their world. He wants to do it through Jonah. Jonah, God says, go. Jonah says, no. And so the whole nation of Assyria, that God wants to get them back in relationship with him. His heart breaks that they're out of relationship because Jonah has said, no, that nation isn't hearing God's word. That nation, God's actually, Jonah's actually forfeited their opportunity. Jonah's actually forfeited them hearing God's word. And that's a tragedy. The little bit of Jonah that's in all of us, for every time we disobey, for every time we move away from God's will, there are consequences in our lives. And there are consequences in the lives of other people. The ones that God wanted us to serve and influence in the first place. So we're going to continue to drill down into this story. It's not a children's Bible story. I'll get at the flannel graphs and, you know, puppets and I'll bring a whale costume. This is, this is flipping nitty gritty, like back to the wall kind of story. And uh, 
let's continue to drill down on this. But uh, here's the thing, and um, I've said this several times. My job teaching here is to bring you information from God's word. Oh, and that's, that's it. I've done my job if, if I do that. If I do that well, that's it. That's my job. There's, there's a next step, which is actually your job. It's not my job. I bring the information. Your job's to do the application. And if you do that, you will experience the transformation. But you can't get from step one to step three without going through step two. That's my job. That's your job. This is God's job. So I just want to strongly encourage you from this place, every single weekend, do your job. Put this stuff into practice. Uh, If you don't, it's actually the equivalent of not having heard it in the first place. You'll actually get the same amount of transformation as as somebody that wasn't even here. So, anyway, I'm just encouraging you with that. This, this isn't uh, a lecture. This is a lecture lab environment where you go away and your life is the lab to put this stuff into practice and see what comes out at the other end in, in the experiment. Hey, we want to pray something that uh, Jonah said. This is the last thing. I'm just going to read this. The last part of... <coughs> Of Jonah's prayer. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. He knew that was his story. He was forfeiting the grace that could have been his, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. And what I have vowed, I'll make good. I believe that God is having us as a church look at this story of Jonah because he wants to give some of you a second chance, another swing at what he's asked you to do in the first place. And your prayer, just like Jonah's, what I have vowed, I'll make good. I'll do what you ask me to do. And then he says, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation, it's a churchy word. It means having a relationship with God. It means it acknowledges that we can get separated from God and that if we want to get back into a relationship with God, we turn around, but he welcomes us. His arms are wide open. Salvation, we don't have to manufacture it, but we do have to ask for it. We do have to turn to him. Some of you, if you've never turned to him, if you've never actually said, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. I've been running from you, or I haven't even given you a thought, or I didn't even know you were real, didn't even know you existed, but I've got a sense that you're real. I've got a sense that you exist. I've got a sense that you love me, and I want to be in a relationship with you. Right now, we're going to give you that opportunity to say, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. And like I've been speaking about this morning, God's ready to forgive. God's ready to accept you instantly this very moment into a relationship with him. And all we're going to do, I just want for those of you that have never said, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. I want you to slip your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down and then we're going to pray. I don't want to miss anybody. We're giving you this opportunity. If you've never actually made that decision to say, God, I want to be in a relationship with you, then right here, right now, make that decision. Just show me, show God that you're making that decision just by slipping your hand up. 
Thank you, sweetheart. Who else? Just put your hand up real quickly. And you can put it down. And we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray. I'll pray something from the front with you. And uh, yep, fantastic. You can put your hand down. Who else? Let's pray. Two people that lifted their hands, you especially pray this, but we're all going to pray this with you because we really want to encourage and support you on this most important decision you've made. Let's say these words and let's say them to God and let's say them from our hearts and mean them. Dear Jesus. Okay, I'm not sure God heard that. Let's, uh, let's take it up a level. Today, I commit to turn to you. Thanks for forgiving me. Thanks for accepting me. Thanks for restoring me into relationship with you. And I commit to not be a yo-yo, but to follow you consistently from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's celebrate with those two people this morning, guys. Absolutely fantastic. It's pretty cool. We're going to keep teaching on this. I want you to be here. I want you to bring someone. And uh, you can listen to the podcast uh, to, 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 to go over this stuff again. Please, 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 for the love of all things holy, do not let this be your only spiritual meal for the week. It will not sustain you, let alone cause you to grow. All right? Try it sometime. Just have breakfast on Sunday morning and don't eat until the next Sunday morning. Come and let me know how that worked for you. We got coffee, freshly roasted, ants in your pants, Kenyan peaberry. Yeah, ooh, I know. Ooh. Hmm. That was the correct response there, Mandy. Ooh. I'll have what she's having. All right, say hi to someone else.